Welcome to the Welcome Dads podcast. After a two-month break, the guys are back. This week, they'll discuss what's been going on in their lives and age-appropriate risk-taking for your kids. Here's Nathan, Mark, and Chris. Uh, do we remember how to do this? No idea. Has it been a while? It's been a while. It's been a while. October 30th was the last time we podcasted. Really? That's that doesn't not seem that eight, long ago. That's eight weeks ago. That's four holidays ago. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, Halloween. Wow. So really, the last time we met, we were talking about candy bars. We were talking about candy bars, among other things. Yes. Wow. So listeners, if you are hearing us right now, you must have subscribed to the podcast because after eight weeks away, the Whatcom Dads podcast has reconvened for episode number 51. 51. 51. This podcast is almost as old as I am. We're getting close, aren't we? Wow. What did you miss the most in the last eight weeks of not podcasting? For me, actually catching up with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. I, Nathan was probably the week between Christmas and New Year's. I realized God, I haven't seen or talked to Chris or Nathan. It seems like forever. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me and I realized, oh, okay, we're going to get the podcast going again. That'll be nice to see them kind of get caught up once again. So that was, that was weird. You're right, Chris. It just, when you got into that groove of every week spending an hour together, and then it just stops. It's it was kind of hard. Yep. You know, funny enough, I had people ask me what was going on. Really? Uh huh. More than one person. <laughs> two people wanted two people. to know. Yeah, and wanted to know uh, if we were coming back and when we were coming back and what was you know kind of the the future of the podcast. Wow. And did you give them some like off the wall answer like? Uh, I, Nathan, I told, Nathan was abducted I, by aliens. No, 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 no. I, I told him that. Uh, Chris and I were um, holding out for a bigger contract and that you were playing and that you were playing hardball and that we we're having a hard time with the whole negotiation thing. Yeah. Well, if you ever got paid a dime, you'd get a raise. <laughs> <laughs> I have not thought about my own parenting skills as much at all. So I'm not second guessing myself as much as I was during the podcast. I was so aware of how I parented during the podcast. Um, that I really wasn't as aware uh, when we stopped, which is interesting. So are you saying hmm. that you became a better or worse parent when you were not <laughs> podcasting? Well, I probably became a worse parent, but I felt like a better parent because I wasn't worrying about it as much. You weren't, you weren't critiquing yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like I became a worse parent, and I think <laughs> it's just all about accountability. I noticed myself losing my temper quicker, raising my voice more, and you know, I would figure it out like a minute after I did it. Right. But I just think that the instances of me trying to like, I don't know, I was just, a, I was more of a lazy parent, frankly, I was just more impatient and, you know, I didn't like it as much. So uh, for that alone, I think getting back here on the, on the microphones will, uh, will help me just kind of keep it top of mind and realize that these things that we've talked about, while some of them are hard and take practice are really worthwhile doing. 
we decided collectively that the goal would be one to two podcasts a month, as opposed to our previous weekly episodes. Uh, if things pop up from time to time, we might just hop on more frequently, but there's going to be no set schedule for the foreseeable future. So if you were used to catching this on a Friday, that's out the window. Just stay subscribed. They'll pop into your feed and hopefully we can bring some parenting advice, maybe a little bit of levity, a little bit of humor to what has started off as a challenging 2022 already. Thank you for hanging on for eight weeks when you didn't hear from us. Um, Again, we hope this provides uh, something useful. Uh, If not, you can unsubscribe, but we hope you stay subscribed. (laughs) We'll, We'll have some, some guests coming up here in the next couple of months. We'll try and tackle some topics and hopefully provide some information to both moms and dads out there uh, dealing with the joys and struggles of being a parent. Thanks for having us back. It's good to be back. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson and Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson and Cole, when you need us, we will be here. All right, so we talked about we missed four holidays together. And we did what I thought was a pretty fun candy bracket. And I just wanted to ask if anybody had any candy over Halloween that changed their thought process. Did you move something up? Did you move something down? Did you discover something new? Or did you just not eat any Halloween candy? Yeah, every time I ate a Twix bar, I shook my head saying, I can't believe you guys didn't move that sucker to the final four at least. I can't. It's just ridiculous to me. Ross Ross is never invited back to be uh, a a replacement for me. It's funny, Mark, like Chris won't remember something we told him three days ago, but (laughs) for months and years, he's going to remember this Twix thing. Yeah, he really, really is. It just shows that uh, what's near and dear to his heart. It's not us. It's chocolate. (laughs) I I, I actually had a three musketeers in our uh, little interlude here, and I have no idea why I voted it so high. I think we talked a little bit about it. Didn't we think that maybe they changed a recipe from the 1980s until today? Because when I was a kid, Three Musketeers were awesome. Today, they're not so awesome. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Either Milky Ways or Three Musketeers, there was some change that happened at some point. I, Whatever pack we bought from Costco had nerds in it. And man, I'd forgotten how good a mini pack of nerds is. <laughs> that is true. I mean... Just it's almost like that tiny pack. You can almost fit it all in your mouth at once Mm -hmm. if you want to be super gross and slovenly at 1030 at night after your kids are asleep. But like a little pack of grape nerds, man, I found myself digging through the Costco bag to get at nerds. And I I wouldn't have said that before. So that for some reason grew on me a lot over this Halloween. And I'm so glad you said grape nerds because, yeah, the grape and strawberry nerds, those two are so good. So good. And I don't buy nerds. I never buy nerds. No, I couldn't tell you the last time I paid for them aside from some variety pack like that. (laughs) And I'm going to say this and you guys are going to be happy I say this, but 
uh, fun size Twizzlers, not as good as a whole pack of Twizzlers. So <laughs> the, uh, the little fun size Twizzlers that were in the Costco bag, I kind of wasn't feeling them as much. I need the full pack of Twizzlers. Yeah, it's eating wax paper, basically, the little ones. They're just gross. They are. Uh, they're not gross. <laughs> so I, I just, and I've already said this before, but Halloween candy, yes, I like bottle caps. Those are fun. I never I buy love, those. Love those are caps. good. Yeah, you know, I, the, the Smarties are good. All those chalky candies, I like. I like Necos. I think those are fine. But uh, having chocolate, man, I mean, separate out all the chocolate. I will eat any of the chocolate candy bars. doesn't matter. So... I found a stash of Smarties that were two years old. Oh, ate them all. Tasted exactly the same. <laughs> well, well aged, well aged <laughs> chalk dust. Well, speaking of things that we liked to do as kids, can you guys believe the amount of snow we had over the holidays? And not awesome. only the amount, but that it stayed. That that was the best part. Ten days. Yeah, did you did either of you go sledding with you? I mean, did you sled Mark? Do you still sled as an adult? I didn't sled this time. The kids went and they like two or two or three trips down the little hill in our backyard and yeah. then they were done. <laughs> um, but this, this up here, the snow though, um, after the second snowfall, it was so soft and it was so powdery and dry that it, it was not really great sledding for what our kids, you know, yeah. remember when they were little. But we had a boatload but yeah it was great the kids were outside we, were, we you know buried our face in the snow and threw snowballs and walked around it was even at age 25 and 22 the kids still had a great time right on yeah i got out sledding and snow angeling and it wasn't perfect sledding snow but pro tip uh local elementary schools with hills the whole neighborhood comes so by day four, it's all so packed down that <laughs> it's like an ice rink. Yeah, so, uh, we we made use of that for a couple of days and were able to do some stuff around the yard. And but yeah, it was not snowman snow. You could not make a snowman out of it. It was very no. fine powder, which is pretty mm-hmm. rare for here. Yeah, it was super yeah. dry. The uh, playing in the snow brought up sort of a topic that I think we could tackle a bit, and that uh, is helping your kids learn to take risks. And this was prompted by a email I got from my daughter's preschool. And I forwarded that to you guys. And it talked a little bit about how it's good for kids to get out in the snow. It's a safe place for them to both overcome things they're not familiar with um, and sort of learn, do cooperative play, but also to take risks. And then there was a sort of a linked article about uh, skating on ponds as a kid and how that's mostly become outlawed in a lot of municipalities and cities because of the danger of falling through the ice. I think taking risks is essential to the whole growing up process. You gotta, you gotta know what the limits are you gotta get out of your comfort zone every once in a while. And I mean, there's gotta be limits, of course, there's gotta be some kind of guidance along with it. But if you don't take risks as a kid, I think it could, uh, it could really hinder you as you progress through high school and college and relationships and careers. Because I think if you look back, the number of what you would call risks that we've taken in our lives have led us to where we are today. And sometimes you just got to take a chance. And I think if you're, when you're young, that's the time, that's the time to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree, Mark. I, Amy and I would would call them age appropriate risks. You know, just these little risks for their age. And uh, one of our favorite memories was we, as you both know, we live like a two minute walk to Berkeley Hagen, and uh, you can't see Hagen from our house. And when Lexi turned uh, um, ten, uh, she had asked if she could go to Hagen and uh, like buy something, buy some eggs for us or whatever. And I told her, I said, yeah, you can do that. And I told him, you know, this is no different than like walking literally a block to a friend's house, you know, down the street. It's just on the trail. But because it's on the trail, it seems scarier and because you can't see it. And so Amy and I sat on the the driveway and watched her go away. And I'm I'm all good. She's going to be great. We know the checkers at Hagen. They're going to keep an eye on her. And right when she got out of sight, Amy looked at me and she said, feel my hands. And her hands were so sweaty. She said, you literally need to go right now and follow her. Don't let her see you, but you need to follow her and make sure she's okay. And of course I did. And she did not see me and she did great, you know? So it was one of those many baby steps. Um, that was hard for us, even as parents too, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah. I think taking risk sort of dovetails a little bit with what we talked about in one of the prior episodes about sort of helicopter parents, which maybe yeah. would be the opposite of parents who allow for risk that are sort of taking all of the risk out for this fear and safety of their kids. Um, but Chris, I really like the term age appropriate risk. Um, you know, we're at a point where our eight-year-old wants to cross the street by herself. And I think my wife's more willing to let her do it than I am. And so just sort of having that conversation with us and with her, um, you know, about when's the right time and what does she have to demonstrate to us to be able to let her do that. But there are certainly other sort of uh, less risky things that she can work her way up to to do that. I think, I think risk also allows for failure and failure is important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think looking back on my childhood, I sort of wish sometimes that I had had more failure or I'd had more sort of adversity to uh, deal with. Again, I didn't want, you don't want too much, but I think it helps build character and it helps you sort of understand when you do succeed, uh, it sort of is uh, more meaningful when you've also tasted that failure. Yeah, you appreciate what you have, right? When you know what you missed out on or, 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 or couldn't get. So I think that it helps build appreciation. Yeah. I think um, at every stage in life, our kids have taken risks and I think they have been age appropriate, Chris, like you said, um, but they've never done anything that has been so scary or so, um, you know, kind of on the edge that Annette and I have felt uncomfortable about it. We've always encouraged them to, try things they've never tried before, um, you know, going out for a school play, going out for a sport, um, traveling to a foreign country, learning a new language, things like that. And that's stuff that I think in every step, you, and you got to, as moms and dads, you got to keep encouraging that, but also keeping that one eye out to make sure that the eight-year-old doesn't wander off the trail and get stuck <laughs> in the blackberry bush, right? Well, and I think that we keep, Amy and I keep reminding ourselves that the world is not as scary as we believe it to be. And um, yes, can bad things happen? Sure. But the boogeyman does not hang out on the trail every day, uh, ready for something bad to happen. And as parents, I think naturally we envision that bad thing happening. It's a nightmare scenario for all of us. And 
just reminding ourselves the sense of accomplishment that they feel when they succeed taking that risk is really worth it. And I think kids have different aversions for risk are just born with it. Yeah. I have one child that jump from the eighth step. Of course, why wouldn't you? And I have one who's like going to go to the second step. Um, And that's sort of just like a physical thing about it. But I think if you have a conversation with them and you gradually introduce risk, you can maybe work the kid on the eighth step down to the fifth step and work the kid on the second step up to the fifth step to sort of make sure that they're both taking the appropriate level of risk. But knowing the kid and I think also having the conversation with your spouse or partner, um, because if, if one of you just starts to impose these risks that the other one's still feeling a little uncomfortable with, you're going to cause a little friction in the relationship. Sure. Mark, who's a bigger risk taker, Ben or Allie? I was just thinking about that. Um, I think that if I, the other person would disagree if I named the other one, <laughs> I would say that Allie's a bigger risk taker. Just because, you know, we're, I, I just think, I just think that that's more her spirit. Is she more of an adventure seeker? <clears throat> Do those two kind of go together? Yeah. She's very adventurous, likes to try new things. Um, not that Ben doesn't, but I think that Allie just is more willing to, to do those things. You know, I was, uh, I was very risk averse, probably still am, um, as a kid growing up. And when I hear stories of what people did, you know, you, some of the things you've talked about, Chris, with your brothers and the crazy things you've done. Sometimes I'm regretful that I didn't do more as a as a kid and as a teenager. I, I it's kind of a little FOMO, you know, that I, I just I didn't maybe experience as much of life as I could have because I didn't want to disappoint my parents or didn't want to get in trouble or you know didn't want to do something that wasn't that was not expected of me. So I, I wish I would have taken more risks and maybe because I feel that way that I've allowed my kids to have a little bit more freedom and just do things that typically maybe I would not have done. So maybe I'm living a little vicariously through them. And in, in hindsight, then what could your parents have done to encourage you to take more risk? Uh, uh, You know, growing up in a Catholic guilt family, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure there's anything. I don't think they would have known any different or known any better, Um, but they weren't risk takers either. They, you know, just were very careful with everything that they did. And that's just kind of the, the atmosphere I grew up in. And I think Annette grew up in a family that was a little bit more adventurous and um, were allowed to go out and kind of explore and do things on their own and just kind of get into trouble or see what was out there. And so I think maybe our kids have this mixture of the two of us, which is probably good for them. But uh, yeah, I, I, wish, I wish I would have done some, some things a little bit differently. I mean, I don't live in regret every day, but maybe I would have had a little bit more fun. Sure. It's interesting you mentioned that too, Mark, because I also, because I was such a risk taker, I have to be conscious that I'm built differently than my kids and they don't have that same adventurous, yeah, let's, let's try to slide down this forever hill, you know, or ride our bike down, even though there's no brakes on, on it or whatever it might be, you know? And, yeah. um, and Lexi is without a doubt, the, the, the one who is not the risk taker, Alyssa is, is, is she's looking at me right now, like, really? What? It's true. <laughs> uh, Alyssa is the bigger risk taker. And I think part of that, and I wonder if part of that also goes with being a younger sibling. You know, I had my older brother to follow along and 
I saw him do something and I tried it myself, even though I was a couple of years younger, you know, so. Well, I'm going to read a little bit from some uh, articles that I will link to in our show notes, just to sort of give a little context to what the quote unquote experts are saying. Uh, They define risky play as referring to unstructured environments where there are perceived elements of danger. And they give four real steps, um, or excuse me, they give really four benefits to risk-taking for kids and their development. So first they indicate that risky play helps kids develop social skills, creativity, and resilience. That last one's a word I really like. Um, It's hard to teach kids that, um, especially, you know, when your kids aren't dealing with any relative hardships on a day-to-day basis. But um, I think through risk-taking activities, they sort of learn what's safe and what's not. I think of like my kids burning themselves by the stove or something like you do it once and you learn. And again, they weren't severely burned, but it's sort of that, you know, it goes back to the article about ice skating on a frozen pond. If you've grown up your whole life trying to figure out when it's going to be safe to go on the pond, then you know when it's safe. If someone who lives in a big city and has never ice skated on a pond walks up, they might walk out into an unsafe situation without the knowledge or the sort of inside uh, information they would need to assess the situation, whether it's safe or not. Uh, The second thing is that risk-taking helps kids build self-esteem. You as a parent in letting them take that risk, walking to the grocery store, you're signaling to your kid that you have confidence in them and you think they're capable of doing it. And that can really boost their self-esteem. And then Chris, to follow up on what you said, the things that we think are risky actually aren't always as risky as we think they are. This article says that playing outdoors actually isn't as risky as we think it is. Yes, there are head injuries and bad things that can happen, but um, when you sort of do the math, you know, there, it might be just as uh likely to hurt themselves falling down the stairs in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about risk-taking as a teenager. So I remember the biggest risk-taking then was like asking a girl on a date. And it was, you know, that maybe teenage years and college years, like the fear of rejection. Right. And, and you sort of like, do that little dance and you just at some point just kind of have to go for it. Um, But you get shot down several times and, but one, it only has to work one time. Right. And then you have given yourself that self-confidence and that boost to sort of know "Eh, it's worth the risk. Yeah. That's funny. You say that. I I feel like I was a big risk taker, uh, but it was really had to do with physical risk, that kind of risk, uh, man, I could never, ever, strike the courage to ask a girl out. Not until I was well into high school. It was embarrassing. I wanted to so badly all through junior high and yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) But give me a a ski jump and I wouldn't think twice. Sure, I can do that. Why not? So you were the physical risk taker. I was the intellectual and emotional risk taker and Mark was the non risk taker. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me, we've talked a few times on this podcast that as an adult at our age, it's difficult to make other male friends. And I think it's the same thing, right? Like, do you say like you meet somebody a couple of times and it's like, well, 
do you, can I text you? Should I text you? <laughs> do I invite you to a beer? If you say no twice, do I take the signal that you don't want to be friends? Like there's, it's putting yourself out there and it, it still happens to us in our old age. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'll put some links into the show notes um, and we're, we'd be interested in you listeners letting us know your thoughts on age appropriate risk and the benefits it might have for our kids. So to wrap up, let's talk New Year's resolutions. And I have a treat for you. Last year, Chris and I recorded New Year's resolutions. Mark opted out. He's not a believer. And so I want to play those for us. And Chris (laughs) and I can see how we did. Now, note, this segment never made it into an episode. It hit the cutting room floor. But here we are one year later. I'm going to play back what you and I said, Chris. Um, you know, so this year I want to spend less time scrolling through my news feed on my phone. Um, you know, it's the same stuff. We live in this big, amazing, complex world. And my little bubble that an algorithm puts together for a news feed for me doesn't really add a lot of value, I've noticed, to my daily life. And so I want to replace that with reading more books. And I will say, uh, I just finished um, The Making of Caddyshack, which was a real joy. And I am almost done with a new book that just came out this year called Pappy Land that my good friend Nathan Dwyer gave me for Christmas, uh, which is also a real joy. So I am finding much more joy in reading books than just mindlessly scrolling through news feeds on my phone. So Chris, you indicated a year ago that you wanted to scroll through your feeds, your social media feeds less and read more books. Grade yourself on one to 10, how you did. I'll give myself a two instead of a one because I probably did a great job for the first month. I, I failed miserably at that. I still habitually wake up, scroll through my news feed. Whenever I'm passing the time, I have my news feed and I did not read as many books at all as I wanted to. So just like the New Year's resolution my parents had when they bought themselves a treadmill, which soon became a place for them to hang their wet clothes. uh, Yeah, my New Year's resolution last year was a complete failure. Well, let's listen to mine then. So I typically haven't done New Year's resolutions either, but I was thinking about it the last few days. And one thing I think I want to do is to say yes instead of no more. And it's more of a simple thing, maybe with the kids, like, hey, dad, will you read me this book right now? And I think my instinct is always, no, let me finish what I'm doing, and then I'll come over and do it. And I started to think, what am I doing that's so important that I can't put that on hold and do what they want? So it sort of matches up with what Anne-Marie said a few episodes back that, If you can say two yeses for every no to a kid, maybe that should be a goal. So uh, yeah, I'm going to try and say yes more often. And I also, I'm going to try and be a better listener. I think sometimes I get caught up in my own ideas and uh, things like that. And so I'm going to focus more on just listening to people. I will give myself a six out of 10 on the saying yes more. Wow, nicely done. I think I made some improvements. And I'm going to give myself an 8 out of 10 on being a better listener. Um, 
I've really tried to work on that. And I've had some conversations with friends throughout this year where I really wanted to jump in and tell them what I think and how I can help them solve their problems. But I've realized that people don't often need that. Um, and I'm often too eager to do that. And so sometimes I've just been there to, to listen. So those weren't tough. Those weren't lose 50 pounds or, you know, read a hundred books, but I, I feel pretty decent about them. Nice job. I'm just, just, you know, I give myself a 10 out of 10 for mine. Yeah. <laughs> really had a, a high bar there to clear. <laughs> I love so, it. So that said, what do you have on tap for this year? Mark, did you come up with one this year or are you choosing to skip again? I will choose to skip again. Thank you for asking though. You're welcome. I actually did uh, come up with one this year. um, And that is to live each day with intentionality. Uh, Sometimes I feel like I'll wake up on a Saturday, for instance, and I'll get to like noon and I'll realize I did absolutely nothing of value. Um, just kind of hanging out. Uh, and sometimes that's needed to recharge my batteries. Um, but I, I want to go to bed every night with a real plan as to what I'm going to do the next day and, and work to accomplish that. That's good. That's really good. <clears throat> I wouldn't last like four days with that. <laughs> I have two. Uh, one I've already talked to you guys about, but one is I do want to read more books. And so I'm setting the goal of one book for pleasure a month. So that's not a huge thing, but at least we'll have something on my nightstand to try and get through. So 12 pleasure books for the year. And the second one is I am going to attempt to complete the Lake Padden Triathlon this upcoming June and beat my time from 14 years ago. So it's going to require some, it's not losing 50 pounds, but it's going to require me to get into a little better shape. So can I beat uh, my time from 14 years ago? That's going to be my goal. And that's the first half of the year. It's the the end of June. So uh, I've invited you guys to join me uh, if you're willing to do it. And uh, it's a pretty fun sort of first time beginners triathlon that I did a few times and, and haven't done for, for many, many years. So those are my goals. To reach the show, check out the Whatcom Dads Facebook page or email them at whatcomdadspodcast at gmail.com. See you sometime next month. What do you call a grumpy cow? What do you call a grumpy cow? Moody! How do turtles call each other? How? With their shell phones. What do you call a snake that works in a bakery? What? A python.